Welcome to the Illinois Association of Park Districts Parkcast. I'm Wayne Utterback, Director of Communications and Digital Content, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by former Urbana Park District Executive Director Robin Hall, who's had a stellar career at the Urbana Park District, and you've also done a couple other things. So thanks very much for joining us, Robin. Oh, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Now, for those who might not know about the Urbana Park District and your time there, can you kind of just bring me up to speed, bring our listeners up to speed? Sure. The Urbana Park District is one of the oldest park districts in the state. Um, Joseph Blair was helped uh, lead the charge for IAPD, but he also was involved with the Urbana Park District's development in 1907. So we've been around a long time. It had sort of lulled. Um, and there was a director before me who was hired. He stayed a couple of years, and then I was hired as the uh, as the director. And we we saw a lot of growth. Uh, I think one of the things we learned early on when I was there, sure, now within two or three years after I'd been there, we had a referendum. The referendum failed, and it was to build a pool and some other recreation facilities. We had a group come to our next board meeting after that and say, you know, you had this referendum, but you never talked to the public about it. You never involved them. And they were absolutely right. And at that time, the school district had a citizens advisory committee, and one of our park board commissioners was familiar with that and brought that idea to the park board. And we developed the Urbana Park District Citizens Advisory Committee, UPDAC. And it was just a great success. Um, it helped us so much, but we really involved people in the community. It was a 15 member group. We had about, at that time, I think nine grade schools. So we would always try and have a representative from one of those neighborhoods. We tried to make it a representative group. Uh, we were very open with them. And all the planning from that point on was always reviewed with that group and the board, and the board was very supportive of them. Uh, evolved that some of the board members originated their experience with the Park District on UPDEC. So I think the fact that we really uh, got the community involved was very critical to to the success that we had, and we really committed to that, and it was it made life a lot easier in a lot of ways. Now, with the community being involved, really making sure that everybody's got kind of a, a hand in the process, uh, what are some of the things that have come out of that? The, what are some of the, the things that make Urbana Park District stand out? Well, I think one of the things we did, whatever we would, at the time I came in, we really didn't have master plans for any of the parks, so we needed to do that. We had, uh, didn't have much park land, so we went after acquiring land also. But in that process, we would always have a public discussion about it. Um, we started to look at a piece of land, and I'll just use this one ex uh, experience, with Meadowbrook Park. It was a 130-acre site. It was being made available, sort of, to us, and it was next to a senior, what was going to be a senior housing complex. But anyway, in that process, we very much involved the community. Um, one of the things that came out was Urbana was very supportive of environmental issues, uh, natural areas. And so that park developed into that. It's probably one of the most, if not the most, it's one of the most popular parks in Champaign-Urbana now. Uh, it's a 130-acre park. It has about 80 or 90 acres of prairie, natural wildlife area. It has a sculpture garden. It has sculpture throughout the park. So we wedded art and natural areas uh, and the human experience together and uh, it's it's worked out well
Now, I, I saw a story about the uh, the Wandel Sculpture Garden, oh. and I was hoping that maybe you could talk a little bit more about that sculpture garden, how it came to fruition, and perhaps just how important do you think it is to the community, and, and what is it, what kind of value does it provide to the community? Well, you're talking about something I'm very biased about, I'm very prejudiced about, and very proud of, uh, is the fact that <clears throat> we included this art. I was talking with a citizen about what we're thinking about doing in this park, and we had played with a couple different ideas. At one time, we were talking about maybe uh, some sort of farming kind of thing there because it was on old farmland, but that really didn't take well, and we discouraged ourselves, I think, with that one. And so we're talking about art and exploring the idea of sculpture in the park. And I had no idea what I was talking about. I was <laughs> way over my head. But fortunately, um, there were people <clears throat> in the art community that were very supportive and, and uh, got us involved. But I was talking to another individual, Jeff and Charlotte Wandell, about this. And they love art. And they made a donation that supported us and helped get that started. The other thing um, was we started, I had no idea how we were going to get the money to do this and buy this sculpture. Well, somebody at the university and another artist who now who is in Springfield, Mike Dunbar, explained that, you know, one of the things you can do is lease art for a certain period of time. And so that really got us started. Um, we went to a big sculpture show up at Navy Pier, made acquaintances with some of the artists. And uh, after that show was over, I think we moved about six or seven pieces down from Chicago into the park. And that's just continued. Some of the pieces have been very popular with people, and they've bought them uh, and donated them to the park district. Oh, wow. So, and some um, have rotated in and out, and the staff continues to do a great job with, with the art, and it's been so well received. I think at first there was a little hesitancy about are we, are we sure about what we're doing, but like I said, we were sort of asking three questions there. What's our relationship to the natural environment? Because that's what the park is. What's our relationship with art, uh, human relationship to art? And how does art and the natural environment blend together? And so that's, and, and we've got it set in that kind of situation. So um, it's interesting to watch people walk through the park, enjoy the art. The other thing is, one of the things we wanted to do was expose all the population to that. And so now you don't have to go, I mean, you don't have to take your kids to a museum to see sculpture. I mean, it's right out there and it's part of the environment. Now, what kind of a benefit is it to have rotating art, you know? I mean, obviously it brings new attractions so that even if you've gone before, you want to go again. Do you feel like that is kind of helping give it more and more value then? I think it does. I think, you know, there's some pieces that are have become a standard and people love them and they, they would hate to see them go. And I think in those cases, people step forward and uh, purchase the art and donate it to the park district. But it's also nice to get new pieces and... That happens. Uh, sometimes it's replacing some. Sometimes it's just finding a new spot for a piece of art. And it's grown. Originally, we were, the sculpture garden was on about 22 acres of the 130. And now there's art really throughout uh, the park. So it's it's been fun. Now, I know that you had a sculpture dedicated to you. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Well, that, uh, was, uh, that was a real wow for me. Um, I knew they were sort of talking about doing something like that, and uh, this last spring, they had a little get-together, little party, and um, I sort of knew there was going to be this sculpture piece, but yeah, some um, friends and 
supporters of the Park District and of art and purchased this piece that had been in the park since uh, the beginning. And um, there's a plaque now that dedicates it to me and my support of art. So it was very humbling, a very nice honor. Now, going back to just the broader topic of art, I mean, how what do you feel like art brings to a community just uh, in its own essence? Like, what, what do you feel is the importance of having art and really highlighting art in the community? See, I think art, uh, we need to look at the broad view of recreation. Um, I think for too long we were looking at recreation as maybe just being sports. Um, and art to me is just as valuable, if not more so, because it's something that all ages can do. We can explore, you can learn visual art, performing arts, you know, so give the broad definition to art. Uh, but I think it's a critical part of what park districts and city park and recreation departments do, is in, in exposing the art to the community. And I think then people start to take ownership of it and they're, pride about, they're, they're prideful of it. All right, now, going to more of the executive director role now, uh, when you were executive director, what were some of the components you focused on to really deliver top quality service to your community? Well, I think obviously the board and the community expected you to be fiscally responsible. And I think we tried to do that and present it that way. And having UPDEC and having the board that was open to these discussions, so the people knew what we were doing. We talked about our budgets very publicly. We involved UPDEC in the development of those budgets. So fiscal responsibility is critical. I think the idea of building team, um, I'm a big supporter of that. And I had, uh, through my whole tenure there, I had great boards, uh, very open to discussion. UPDAC was a marvelous organization. I had great staff. And we had a, a good team spirit to it. Everyone was involved. We were strong believers in planning, uh, having goals and objectives, and evaluating those on an annual basis. So I think just all those things sort of came together. And we had a community that was really, really supportive of parks and recreation. Um, and maybe because it's a strong university community, there was great interest in environmental issues and the idea that we build a nature center in the 70s, late 70s, and it's grown and expanded. It's next now to a native woods area, Busey Woods, uh, that gets great support. Meadowbrook Park is more a natural area. So it's just a combination of a lot of things, I think, being open to the community. And Now, you mentioned the university. Obviously, it's a big component there. Mm -hmm. You worked for the <clears throat> University of Illinois as director of the Office of Recreation and Park Resources. Can you kind of give me an idea of, you know, what were some of the things you worked on there? How did those kind of tie back into the community? Yeah, sure. Let me say a word about the university because... Um, I, that's where I have a bachelor's and master's from, and it is in park and recreation management. And at the time, uh, there were three professors there, uh, Professor Brightbill and Dr. Sapora and Dr. Bannon, who were just so critical to my profession and development of it. Uh, and they created this interest in me, I think. Um, the Office of Recreation and Park Resources, when I was a graduate student, I was an assistant in that, and Joe Bannon, Dr. Bannon uh, ran it. And then when I retired from the park district, I really hadn't planned very well, and I was sort of bored. And I was talking to then department head, uh, Dr. Kerry McDonald, about I was bored. And he said, well, you know, I might have something that you might be interested in. And that evolved into 
sort of reinvigorating this Office of Recreation and Park Resources. And our mission was, its mission was, um, to support communities around the state in the planning for parks and recreation. And so we would do that. We would help conduct community surveys. We would help develop uh, strategic plans. And again, um, I've been so blessed with having a great staff. Uh, Jerry Chinaman and some graduate students in that group uh, were just wonderful. And it made the whole thing go. But we, we were got, got us involved again, got the department involved again uh, statewide in, in community parks and recreation. We worked with IPD on some projects. We worked with IPRA on some projects in a lot of different communities around the state. All right. Now, just in general, what's your take on, you know, how parks and rec are doing in Illinois as a whole? I mean, are you seeing things that are trends or are you seeing things that, uh, you know, people need to keep an eye out for? I think that's one of the things that Illinois, <clears throat> I, I, I got into this field at a great time because parks and recreation were really starting to take off. And there were a lot of very, and there still are a lot of very talented park and recreation professionals. But one of the things, I think because University of Illinois, Illinois State, Eastern, Southern, Western, all had strong, at that time, park and recreation programs for training professionals, uh, put a lot of excellent people into the field, and very competitive, but also very forward-looking. And so we were really at cutting-edge things. I think you, if you look at the number of gold medals that different park and recreation agencies have received from NRPA or wherever, whoever's awarding those now, uh, Illinois is probably the top state in receiving those. And it's there's just a tremendous amount of excellent park and recreation, park districts, city operations throughout the state. And I think um, people are very proud of that and they feel some ownership to it. And you know we're in the quality of life business. To me, that's what we're about. We're there to make life more enjoyable, uh, safer, healthier for the community, residents. So there's a variety of things, you know, whether it's art or whether it's sports, uh, fitness, mental fitness, social fitness, all those kinds of things. And I think the thing, one of the things that we need to be very aware of now is looking at ethnicity, uh, being responsible to all groups, diversity in our, in our community. And I think that's one of the things Parks and Recreation has done well. All right. Now, last question. It's an easy one. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be in Parks and Recreation? What, what do you hope that someone looks back on your career and, and really shines a light on and says, this was important, this, this changed things, or this motivated or drove people to do something? I th oh, boy. I, um. I think one of the things I feel best about, I mean, I was just, I've been a very lucky guy. I, when I was at the university, I didn't tell this story, I was sitting in a, an accounting class and it hit me, I started out in business, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life and it just, fortunately I had an advisor who sent me over to Charles Brightville and exposed me to parks and recreation, but I think the fact that I uh, got into a profession that I uh, really enjoyed that was of value to people. You know, my mom and dad were school teachers, so I was used to public service in that respect. Um, and then I was in the field at a time, man, they're still there, but I had great colleagues. I had mentors that were excellent, and then we had a, from all around the state, you know, we, uh, people that really were dedicated to the parks and recreation field.
All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Robin. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for coming by and being on the podcast. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you.